0: Dancers that are one Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. In this episode, we're going to tackle the notion that objective moral values exist, and therefore an objective moral arbiter. Exists. This viewpoint is held by those that believe in objective morality, but not the kind that is based on facts and evidence, such as the morality that I am promoting in this series. Rather, the reason that these folks say their morality is objective is because it comes from an objective moral arbiter. This moral arbiter is often, if not always, supernatural and assigns the values of either good or evil onto humanity's actions. By the end of this episode, we will address all of their many claims regarding morality and resolve them. In doing so, we will expose the fact that their claims of existence of an objective moral arbiter doesn't solve the problems that they have with the claims of the subjective moral thinkers with which they disagree. To get started, let's steel man their argument quickly so that we fully understand exactly what they are saying. First off, the folks that believe that morality is objective in this way have sound and valid complaints about a wholly subjective morality. They rightfully reject the notion that morality is subjective and arbitrary and cite the same reasons we discussed in the last two episodes of this podcast. To summarize briefly here and to use their words... Morality cannot be subjective because then anyone or any group of people can assign the value of good or evil onto any action they decide. And by doing this, they are simply expressing their opinions, not providing any scientific facts to prove that an action is either good or evil. They further claim that, in fact, there is no evidence that you could ever provide to show that any action... Could be either good or evil. Their conclusion is then that a morality based on humanity assigning the value of good and evil onto actions is unsound, because it is just based on opinion and has no objective measurement. To solve this problem, they take the following line of reasoning they claim that there must be some moral absolute. In other words, that objective moral values and duties exist. They claim that this is true because there are actions that humans can take that are always considered immoral, no matter what the context and no matter what the circumstances. Therefore, there must be some moral arbiter. They put it like this, quote, The existence of a moral arbiter only ensures that good and evil objectively exist and are not merely opinions, unquote. This moral arbiter is a supernatural being who decides what is or isn't moral for us and then dictates these moral absolutes onto us from an as-of-yet unspecified place. These supernatural moral arbiters, I refer to them in the plural here because it has not been decided exactly how many of them there are. Anyway, these moral arbiters either dictate this morality to us through books or instill it into us at some as of yet unspecified time. Another way to say this is that this objective moral arbiter provides us with an objective moral vantage point from which to measure our actions and assess the correct moral standard. Furthermore, they reason that the existence of objective moral values demonstrates the existence of whichever moral arbiter they are proposing. Again, I use the plural language here because there is much dispute on exactly which moral arbiter is the true moral arbiter, and if there is just one or many from which we receive our moral edicts. There are many unanswered moral questions that arise from this type of moral system, as I'm sure you can imagine. Questions about the moral arbiter. Questions about their books. Question about how we came to know exactly what this moral arbiter wants from us. Questions about how we were instilled with this moral knowledge. And least of all, questions about why they believe that we cannot provide any scientific evidence to demonstrate that an action is either moral or immoral. While I'd like to provide you with an exhaustive explanation for every question and debunk every claim that this moral system makes, the list is just too long. Plus, most of the issues with this moral system boil down to just a few basic misunderstandings. So I will focus our time on those instead of addressing the seemingly infinite issues that arise from this obviously incorrect moral system. The first is that their complaint that a subjective moral system is only humanity expressing its opinions is not solved by referring the problem to an objective moral arbiter. This objective moral arbiter of moral absolutes is just another subject with a subjective mind that has its own opinions. And that subjectivity and those opinions and indeed the very nature of this moral arbiter are revealed to us in such a way that demonstrates to us that this, quote, objective, unquote, moral arbiter isn't objective after all. Let me explain. As I referenced earlier, there are many supernatural sources proposed as THE objective moral arbiter. And, as of now, we have no way to determine which is the correct one to follow. In fact, we don't even have a conclusive demonstration that such a moral arbiter exists. To further exacerbate this issue, the moral arbiters proposed by those that believe in this objective moral system often disagree about exactly what is and isn't moral. This disagreement is evidenced in many ways, but one such way is through their books. Speaking of books, each of these moral arbiters has their own book. And in these books, one can find all manner of moral ambiguities, contradictions, and loads of immoral behavior dictated to the characters in these books, often by the moral arbiter themselves. These facts render the books largely useless in determining the answers to any moral questions. While there are many who attempt to justify the immoral edicts in these books, they do so by employing their own subjective assessment of moral behavior, the same subjectivity that they are railing against, and the same subjectivity that drove them to propose this moral arbiter to begin with. In response to the many issues with these books, there are many that propose that the morality of this supernatural being is instilled in us through an as-of-yet-unspecified process at an as-of-yet-unspecified time. But when we look at the cultural, social, and psychological differences between the many groups of people that exist, we see that morality tends to vary quite widely, especially when we don't follow the Schilling Standard I mentioned in previous episodes. One obvious example of this, that should bring into question the quote, nature, unquote, of this moral arbiter, is the existence of psychopaths. If the supernatural moral arbiter instilled morality into humanity, then that same moral arbiter instilled different moralities into different people. And those differences are completely contradictory and incompatible. This is evidenced by those among us that suffer from psychopathy And other afflictions that are very clearly morally contradictory to those that we consider morally normal. Another strikingly obvious reason that this supernatural arbiter cannot provide us with moral direction or or objectivity is because they are not human. They don't feel pain and suffer in the same way that we do. Assuming that they suffer at all. If they do suffer, it's not for the same reasons that we do. Thus, there is a break from morality. If they cannot provide evidence of suffering or flourishing that relates to humanity, then they are divorced from a meaningful moral system. This separation from humanity prevents them from providing us with any subjective or objective moral facts from which to draw our moral conclusions. To belabor this point for a bit, morality requires evidence, both subjective and objective evidence from the population in which it's based. For a morality to be sound, the evidence we use to demonstrate a moral or immoral act must come from the people affected by the act. Since a supernatural arbiter is not human and is not affected by our moral decisions, then they cannot provide us with any moral edicts, prescriptions, conclusions, or direction. At best, a supernatural arbiter can make only suggestions or offer advice. But all those suggestions and advice would still be subject to the objective moral facts and subjective moral facts that humanity generated by enacting those suggestions and heeding that advice. The outcomes wouldn't then be moral because the supernatural moral arbiter said so. They'd be moral because of the outcomes to humanity. Did humanity suffer as a result of the advice given to us by a supernatural arbiter? If the answer is yes, then that advice was immoral. It doesn't matter what we are told by our supernatural dictator. What matters is the subjective and objective moral facts that humanity produces as a result of our actions. The truth of the matter is that we cannot dodge our moral responsibility in this way. A sound moral system, like the one that i promote requires that we engage with one another not refer our problems to an as of yet undefined and unevidenced supernatural arbiter of moral edicts we need to get down to the hard work of applying the shilling standard and building human sets. more importantly we need evidence based and unambiguous answers to our moral questions that provide us with the direction we require to ensure that we are driving humanity and its systems towards flourishing and away from suffering. The only way to get that evidence is to collect it from humanity, our systems, and the outcomes of our moral prescriptions. At this time, I need to issue you a warning. Warning. The following contains language and images of a graphic and disturbing nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Perhaps the most egregious aspect of this moral system is that it rejects evidence. Here is a quote from an online personality who promotes this type of moral system regarding the nature of moral values. Quote, I am sure that you think that murder is wrong, but how do you know? What photographs could you show? What measurements could you provide that prove that murder, or rape, or theft is wrong? The fact is, you can't. There are scientific facts, but without a moral arbiter, there are no moral facts. Unquote. (sighs) This is perhaps the most incorrect statement ever uttered. For starters, let's look at this photograph. This is the image of a man being thrown from the top of a building because he is gay. This man died as a result of this immoral act. Here is a woman that had acid thrown onto her face randomly by a stranger. Imagine the pain she must have endured, as the evidence demonstrates to us here, When her left eye dissolved in acid, this woman was beaten by her boyfriend. Notice the measurable size and shape and discoloration of the bruises around both her eyes, her left nostril, and the left side of her jaw. And finally, this baby was treated for an eye infection by someone sticking a sharp twig into his eye. The eye was further treated by chewing up the leaves of the branch and applying the saliva-leaf mixture into the eye. Here, the immoral act was done out of medical ignorance, poverty, lack of medical resources, and social and cultural beliefs similar to those quoted from above. After reviewing these pictures and the circumstances that generated this evidence, could anyone still have the gall to claim that there is no evidence, photographic or otherwise, that one could produce to demonstrate that an immoral act has occurred? And these images are just the beginning of the evidence that these immoral actions produced. Think of the pain and fear and fractures and loss of blood, mutilation, trauma, post trauma, and death these people endured. Is there a thinking person alive that could stand by a moral system that disregards these people and their experience as not worthy of justifying an immoral act? Who in their right mind would dare to even consider that we needn't talk to these victims or catalog their physical suffering, but instead we should turn to an ancient book or refer to the moral calculation of an entity that did nothing to help these people, but rather sat and watched as they were abused and mutilated. Is there anyone now watching watching or listening that would suggest that we cannot accept these subjective moral facts and these objective moral facts as evidence of an immoral act as I've advised in this series? I would hope not. You are, after all, part of humanity. And you are bound to humanity by this fact. The sciences of evolution, cladistics, and genetics demonstrates that you are human, and therefore a part of our shared humanity. It is my contention that the subjective and objective moral facts that I have just shared with you demonstrate our shared objective moral values and duties to one another. If for some reason you are still unconvinced of exactly how the objective evidence generated by immoral acts demonstrates that an immoral act has indeed occurred, please consider this quote from a paper published in 2012 in the Internet Journal of Forensic Science, Volume 5, Number 1. Quote, Perhaps no aspect of crime scene documentation is more important and more demonstrable than photography. Unquote. The paper goes on to state that, quote, especially in situations where an injury is the only evidence tying a suspect to the crime, unquote. The article continues, quote, photography is widely acknowledged as the most accurate way of documenting evidence, and it encompasses documenting both suspected and convicted criminals and also crime scenes, victims, autopsies, and other evidence needed to make conviction. Unquote. In other words, our entire justice system relies on photography to enforce our moral convictions. So when someone is murdered, it's often literally a photograph that is shown to demonstrate that we know for a fact, beyond any reasonable doubt, that an immoral act has occurred. Again, The utterance from above that, quote, uh, what photograph could you show? What measurements could you provide that prove that murder or rape or theft is wrong? Unquote. Could not be more asinine. In light of our current modern justice system here in the United States and abroad, it's quite literally photographs that enact justice. In conclusion, Clearly, this type of objective moral system fails to be both objective and a sound moral system. Where subjective moral thinkers succeed at basing their morality on humanity, but fail to accept, accept both subjective and objective moral facts into their calculations, except for by accident or intuitively, the objective moral thinkers get everything wrong on all counts. By failing to include objective facts, Subjective facts, and humanity, all the while referring to books written by humanity and the great moral arbiter, they have concocted perhaps the most irresponsible moral system ever conceived. By utilizing this flawed moral system, they perpetuate their denial about the nature of morality, where their morality comes from, how their morality fails to solve the problem of subjective moral systems, and perhaps most horribly, They fail to acknowledge human suffering as evidenced by the people that experience it. One wonders if it is possible for these objective moral thinkers to be any more wrong. Hopefully not. So the good news, or gospel, is that the issue that these objective moral thinkers have with evidence isn't really an issue at all. We don't need to conjure any entities into existence to support our conclusion that morality has an objective component. The objective moral facts do all that work for us. We can conclude that morality is both subjective and objective in nature due to the fact that we can accumulate both subjective moral data and objective moral data to include in our human data sets. There, we can aggregate those data to further objectify it and query that data to understand exactly how our actions will affect humanity, all the while keeping in mind that each and every data point within our data sets is a human being. A human being that is either sharing their subjective experience with us or providing us with objective data points to demonstrate that they are either suffering or flourishing. Simple. There is no need for us to look anywhere else but to ourselves and the humans that we cherish. In the next episode, we will move on to more good news in the third gospel. Thank you, and this has been Ear Seduction.